0: Welcome to Reformed in Public. We continue with the reading of The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment by Jeremiah Burroughs. This work is considered public domain. The evils of a murmuring spirit. Thus we have showed in many respects the excellence of this grace of contentment, laboring to present the beauty of it before your souls, that you may be in love with it Now, my brethren, what remains but the practice of this? For the art of contentment is not a speculative thing, only for contemplation, but it is an art of divinity, and therefore practical. You are now to labor to work upon your hearts this grace that may be in you, that you may honor God and honor your profession with this grace of contentment. For there are none who more honor God and honor their profession than those who have this grace of contentment. Now that we may come to grips with the practice, it is necessary that we should be humbled in our hearts because of our lack of contentment in the past. For there is no way to set about any duty that you should perform you might labor to perform it, but first you must be humbled for the lack of it. Therefore I shall endeavor to get your hearts to be humbled for this lack of grace. Oh, had I had this grace of contentment! What a happy life I might have lived! What abundance of honor I might have brought the name of God! How might I have honored my profession What a great deal of contentment I might have enjoyed! But the Lord knows it has been far otherwise. Oh, how far I have been from this grace of of contentment, which has been expounded to me! I have had a murmuring, a vexing, and a fretting heart within me. Every little cross has put me out of temper and out of frame. Oh, the boisterousness of my spirit! What evil God sees! in vexing and fretting of my heart, in the vexing and fretting of my heart, and murmuring and repining of my spirit. Oh, that God would make you see it! Now, to the end, that you might be humbled for lack of it, I shall endeavor in these headings to speak of it. First I shall set before you the evil of a murmuring spirit. There is more evil in it than you are aware of. In the second place, I will show you some aggravations of this evil. It is altogether evil, but more so in some cases than others. Thirdly, I shall labor to take away the excuses that any murmuring, discontented heart has for, this, for his disorder. There are these three things in the use of humbling the soul, for the want of this grace of contentment for the present the first the great evil that is in murmuring discon- that is in a murmuring discontented heart one this murmuring and discontentedness of your of yours reveals such much corruption in the soul As contentment argues much grace and strong grace the beautiful and beautiful grace so murmuring argues much corruption and strong corruption and very vile corruptions in your heart if a man's body is of such a temper that every scratch of a pin makes his flesh rankle and be sore you will surely say this man's body is very corrupt his blood and his flesh is corrupt that every scratch of a pin shall make it rankle. So it is in your spirit, if every little trouble and affliction makes you discontented, and makes you murmur, and even causes your spirits within you to rankle, or, like a wound in a man's body, the evil of the wound is not so much in the largeness of it, And the abundance of blood that comes out of it but in the inflammation that there is in it or in a fretting and corrupting humor that is in the wound when an unskilled man comes and sees a large wound in the flesh he looks upon it as a dangerous wound and when he sees a great deal of blood gush out he thinks these are the evils of it But when a surgeon comes and sees a great gash, he says this will be healed within a few days, but there is a smaller wound and an inflammation or a specific or a septic sore in it. And this will cost time, he says, to cure. So he does not lay balsam and healing salves upon it. But his great is to get out the septic inflammation. And the thing that must heal his wound is some potion to purge but the patient says what good will this do to my wound you give me something to drink and my wound is in my arm or in my leg what good will this do that I am putting in my stomach yes it purges out the infection and takes away the inflammation until that is taken away the solves can do no good. So it is just for all the world in the souls of men. It may be that there is some affliction upon them, which I compare to the wound. Now they think that the greatness of the affliction is what makes their condition most miserable. Oh, how there is a fretting humor and inflammation of the heart, a murmuring spirit that is within you, and that is the misery of your condition. And it must be purged out of you before you can be healed. Let God do with you what he will till he purges out that fretting humor. Your wound will not be healed. A murmuring heart is a very sinful heart. So when you are troubled for this affliction, you had need to turn your thoughts rather to be troubled for the murmuring of your heart for that is the greatest trouble. There is an affliction upon you, and that is grievous, but there is a murmuring heart within, and that is more grievous. Oh that we could but convince men and women that murmuring spirit is a greater evil than any affliction, whatever the affliction! We shall show more fully afterward that a murmuring spirit is the evil of the evil and the misery of the misery. 2. The evil of murmuring is such that when God would speak of wicked men and describe them, and show the brand of a wicked and ungodly man or woman, he instances this sin in a more special manner. I might name many scriptures, but the scripture in Jude is a most remarkable one, In the fourteenth verse onwards, it is said that the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all, and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed, and all of their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Mark here, in this fifteenth verse, mention is made four times of ungodly ones, all that are ungodly among them, all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed, and all of their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. This is in general, but now he comes in particular to show who these are. These are, he says, murmurers. That is the very first. Would you know who are ungodly men whom God, when he comes with ten thousands of angels, shall come to punish for all their ungodly deeds that they do, and those that speak ungodly things against him? These ungodly ones are murmurs. Murmurs in scripture are put in the forefront of all you had need to look to your spirits. You may see that this murmuring, which is the vice contrary to this contentment, is not as small a matter as you think. You think you are not as ungodly as others because you do not swear and drink as others do. But you may be ungodly in murmuring. It is true there is no sin, but some seeds and remainders of it are in those who are godly. But when men are under the power of this sin of murmuring, it convicts them as ungodly, as well as if they were under the power of drunkenness, or whoredom, or any other sin. God will look upon you as ungodly for this sin, as well as for any sin, whatever. This one scripture should make the heart shake at the thought of the sin of murmuring. 3. As well as being made a brand of ungodly men, you will find in scripture that God accounts it rebellion. It is contrary to the worship that is in contentedness, that is worshiping God, crouching to him and falling down before him, even as a dog would crouch when you hold a stick over him. But a murmuring heart is a rebellious heart, as you will find. If you compare two scripture together, they are both in the book of Numbers. But on the morrow, says Numbers 16, 41, all the congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, saying, Ye have killed the people of the Lord. They all murmured, now compare this with chapter 17 and verse 10, And the Lord said unto Moses, Bring Aaron's rod again before the testimony to be kept for a token against the rebels. In the 16th chapter, they murmured against Moses and Aaron. And in the 17th chapter, we read, Bring the rod of Aaron again before the testimony for a token against the rebels. So, you see that to be a murmurer and to rebel in scripture phrase is all one. It is rebellion against God, just as it is the beginning of rebellion and sedition. In a kingdom, when the people are discontented, when discontent comes, it grows to murmuring, and you can go into no house almost, but there is murmuring when men are discontented, so that within a little while it breaks forth into sedition or rebellion. Murmuring is but as the smoke of the fire. There is first a smoke and smoldering, before the flame breaks forth, and so before open rebellion in the kingdom there is first a smoke of murmuring, and then it breaks forth into open rebellion. But because it has the seeds of rebellion, it is accepted before the Lord to be rebellion. Will you be a rebel against God? When you feel your heart discontented and murmuring against the dispensation of God towards you, you should check it thus. Oh, you wretched heart, what will you be a rebel against God? What, will you be a rebel against God? Will you rise in rebellion against the infinite God? Yet you have done so. Charge your heart with the sin of rebellion. You who are guilty of the sin of murmuring you are this day charged by the lord as being guilty of rebellion against him and god expects that when you go home you should humble your souls before him for this sin that you should change that you should charge your souls for being guilty of rebellion against god many of you may say i never thought that i was a rebel against god before i thought that i had many infirmities but now i see the scripture speaks of sin in a different way than men do. The scripture makes men, though only murmurs, to be rebels against God. Oh, this rebellious heart that I have against the Lord, which has manifested itself in this way of murmuring against the Lord. That is a third point in the evil of discontent. It is a wickedness, for it is a wickedness which is greatly contrary to grace and especially contrary to the work of God in bringing the soul home to himself i know of no i know no disorder more opposite and contrary to the work of God in the conversion of a sinner than this is question what is the work of God when he brings a sinner home to himself answer The usual way is for God to make the soul to see and be sensible of the dreadful evil that is in sin, and the great breach that sin has made between God and it. For certainly Jesus Christ can never be known in his beauty and excellence till the soul knows that. I do not say what secret work the holy ghost there may be in the soul. What secret work of, I do not say what secret work of the Holy Ghost there may be in the soul, but before the soul can actually apply Jesus Christ to itself, it is impossible but that it must come to know the evil of sin and the excellence of Jesus Christ. A seed of faith may be put into the soul, but the soul must first know Christ and know sin and be made sensible of it. Now how contrary is this sin of murmuring to any such work of God has God made me see the dreadful evil of my sin uh, sorry the see the dreadful evil of sin and made my soul sensible of the evil of sin as the greatest burden how can i be then so much troubled for every little affliction certainly if i saw what evil of sin was that sight would swallow up all other evils. And if I were burdened with evil of sin, it would swallow up all other burdens. What am I now murmuring against God's hand, says such a soul, whereas a while ago the Lord made me see myself to be a damned wretch, and apprehend it as a wonder that I was not in hell. 2. Ye, it is strongly contrary to the sight of the infinite excellence and glory of Jesus Christ, and of the things of the gospel. What, am I the soul to whom the Lord has revealed the infinite excellence of Jesus Christ? And yet shall I think such a little affliction to be so grievous to me? When I have had the sight of such glory in Christ as is worth more than ten thousand worlds. A true convert will say, “O oh, the Lord at such a time gave me a sight of Christ that I would not be without for ten thousand thousand worlds. But has God given you that, and will you be content and will you be discontented for a trifle in comparison to that? 3. A third work, when God brings the soul home to himself, is by taking the heart off from the creature, disengaging the heart from all creature comforts, that is, the third work, ordinarily that the soul may perceive of itself. It is true God's work may be altogether in, him, in the seeds in him, but in the various actings of the soul— in turning to god it may perceive these things in it the disengagement of the heart from the creature is the calling of the soul from the world whom the lord hath called he hath justified what is the calling of the soul but this the lord which before was seeking for contentment in the world and cleaving to the creature is now called out in the world by the Lord, who says, O soul, your happiness is not here, your rest is not here, your happiness is elsewhere, and your heart must be loosened from all the things that are here below in the world. This is the work of God in the soul, to disengage the heart from the creature, and how contrary is a murmuring heart to such a thing. Something which is glued to another cannot be taken off, but you must tear it, so it is a sign your heart is glued to the world that when God would take you off your heart tears if God by an affliction should come to take anything in the world from you and you can part from it with ease without learning it is a sign then that your heart is not glued to the world A fourth work of God is a fourth work of God in converting a sinner is this The casting of the soul upon Jesus Christ for all its good. I see Jesus Christ, the gospel, uh, I see Jesus Christian, the gospel, as the fountain of all good, and God out of free grace tendering him to me for life. And for salvation and now my soul cast itself rolls itself upon the infinite grace of God in Christ for all good that may have meant to be read I see Jesus Christ in the gospel as the fountain of all good and God out of free grace tendering him to me for life and for salvation and now my soul cast itself rolls itself upon the infinite grace of God in Christ for all good now have you done so has God converted you and drawn you to his son to cast your soul upon him for all your good and yet you are discontented for the want of some little matter in a creature comfort are you he who has cast your soul upon Jesus Christ for all good and he says in another case is this thy faith Five, the soul is subdued to God, and then it comes to receive Jesus Christ as king, to rule, to order, and dispose of him how he pleases. And so the heart is subdued unto God. Now how opposite is a murmuring discontented heart to a heart subdued to Jesus Christ as king, and receiving him as a lord to rule and dispossess, and di- and to rule and dispose of him as he pleases. 6. There is in the work of your turning to God, the giving up of yourself to God, in an everlasting covenant. As you take Christ, the head of the covenant, to be yours, so you give up your soul to Christ. In the work of conversion, there is the resignation of the soul, holy to God. In an everlasting covenant to be his, Have you ever surrendered up yourself to god in an everlasting covenant then certainly this fretting murmuring heart of yours then certainly this fretting murmuring heart of ours is strongly opposite to it certainly you forget this covenant of yours and the resignation of yourself up to god it would be of marvelous help to you to humble your souls when you are in a murmuring condition If you could but obtain so much liberty of your own spirits as to look back to see what the work of God was in converting you, there is nothing would prevail more than to think of that. I am now in a murmuring, discontented way, but how did I feel my soul working when God turned my soul to himself? Oh, how opposite is this to that work, and how unbecoming! Oh, what shame and confusion would come upon the spirits of men and women if they could but compare the work of corruption in their murmuring and discontent with the work of God that was upon their souls in conversion. Now we should labor to keep the work of God upon our souls which was present at our conversion, for conversion must not be only at one instant at first, Men are deceived in this if they think their conversion is finished merely at first. You must be in a way of conversion to God all the days of your life, and therefore Christ said to his disciples, Except ye be converted and become as little children, ye be converted. Why? Were they not converted before? Yes, they were converted, but they were still to continue the work of conversion all the days of their lives. What work of God there is at the first conversion is to abide afterwards. There must always abide some sight and sense of sin. It may be not in the way which you had, which was rather a preparation than anything else. But the sight and sense of sin is to continue still. That is, you are still to be sensible of the burden of sin, as it is against the holiness and goodness and mercy of God to you. And the sight of the excellence of Jesus Christ is to continue, and your calling away from the creature, and your casting of your soul upon Christ, and your receiving Christ as King, still receive Him day by day and the subduing of your heart and the surrendering of yourself up to God in a way of covenant. Now, if this were but daily continued, there would be no space nor time for murmuring to work upon your heart. That is the fourth point.